Folks, welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. It is Monday, September 23rd. The Clemson Tigers are 4-0 after emptying the bench and then some in a 52-10 blowout over UNC Charlotte. And life is good. Ben and Cody here with you today to recap the game. Okay, maybe just the first half. Uh, but Cody, let's get started with some uh, fairy tale football, so to speak. Um, Disney was on hand on this one to film the movie Safety, which chronicles the life of uh, former Clemson uh, defensive back Ray Ray. McElrathby and his brother Farmar. Um, how cool is that to see? That was, you know, you always see these sports movies um, and they get like some live action shots of games with, you know, everybody in the, the stands are full and you always wonder how they do that. And we got to see that firsthand in this one. I thought that was pretty cool. Sure. It was, well, it was really cool. Uh, it was really weird though. Like, you had to think like that is really weird to see that a uh, bunch of you know actors going down the hill. What was cool though, was Dabo's reaction to it, a big smile on his face. And just, he said, he stood there before we went into the tunnel and just kind of laughed like Nick Saban would never do that. That's exactly, that is exactly what I was thinking. And more so than anything else, I was thinking of, you know, just what, you know, once again, just something else that set Clemson that sets Clemson apart from from the other elite teams. I mean, it's great publicity. Number one, it's going to turn into a movie. Um, I don't know how many people are actually going to see it outside of uh, Clemson fans, but still. Uh, and then just the genuine reaction from Dabo. It's almost like when the re- the sideline reporter asked him about it that he didn't even know it was happening. Yeah, that's why I was like, he probably knew it was happening. I mean, he had a green light the whole thing, but yeah, his, he's definitely locked in on the game. Uh, but yeah, I, mean, that's, I, I thought he was going to run over there to, and shake fake Tommy Bowden's hand. I was hoping that's what he would do. <laughs> you know, the funny thing was when I was watching the game, I was like, hold on a second. When they were kind of showing it leading up to halftime, I was like, is that actually Tommy Bowden? I mean, it could be. What else is he doing? No, that dude had so much more charisma than Tommy Bowden. I'm like, wow, they went like <laughs> 10 years younger and like super charismatic. Um, I mean, it was also great to see the, the interview with Ray Ray um during the game and then also i read an article on him earlier this week i think it was on tiger illustrated um you know there was a a little bit of bad blood if you remember when he ended up transferring out of clemson um but just to kind of hear his story and hear him tell it um hear just how in touch he is again with the community and i think his brother farmar is still living in clemson uh, as a dj um just just a really great story all around and i'm glad it's i'm glad it's come full circle um to where it's come to this there's no bad blood um and it's just a great story to tell so i'm glad it's getting out there yeah i mean and you could say even dating back to tommy bowden like a lot of the family vibe was still in place there were there were good people uh around the program back then they they, they might not have been as gifted from a football coaching standpoint as dabo but you know it it was a good it's always been a great area great family oriented place and 
it was it's yeah it's a great story yeah and Davo was around then i think what was that 2006 yeah he was i guess brand new at that point right yeah um so i mean just you know for a to have that happen in a game that was just a complete and utter blowout in a season where we have a, a horrendously weak schedule, you know, these little extra things that just kind of spice it up and, and give us something else to celebrate, enjoy, and and love about Clemson football. It's just nice to nice to see. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah a couple things that playing 110 players and then yeah the 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 filming and I'm sure this joke's already floated out there, but I've been off the grid a little bit because of a wedding over the weekend. So, where did they find 110 players? Well, it was 111. 111. I'm sorry. Total, but I'm guessing some of the extras got in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's what I was looking for. I set you up. Yeah, that joke's been made. Um, <laughs> I think was it was it Corey Crawford? Maybe was actually one of the extras. It was a former Clemson defensive lineman. I think I heard was actually one of the extras in there. So um, TJ Green? N- no, I'm just being an asshole now. Yeah, you are. Uh, it was yeah. a lineman. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, surprised Daniel, Daniel Rodriguez wasn't in there. Um, Anyways, cool to see. Um, as you mentioned, uh, Clemson played school record 111 players in this game. Uh, the previous record set last year was 94, so they beat that by, what, 16 players? I don't even know we had 111 players that could dress. And I'm wondering if if anybody who was dressed didn't make it into the game, what they do um, to Dabo, uh, not to make it in. Even, like, I went back and watched the game over again and I made it through like the third quarter I wanted to see Tyson Pumachan get some playing time and and just um, kind of rewatch him but when guys like Carter Grooms start getting in there that just kind of annoys me um the kid's 5'8 180 pounds it just makes me feel really bad about myself me being nearly the same stature I'm about an inch and a half taller than him probably um so how did, yeah how did Hunter, Rimp- Hunter Rimpro make you feel then uh, well it's it's a whole uh, that's different we're in love um <laughs> um no it just makes me what was i doing in college i was drinking way too much beer to be nearly uh um, that accomplished as as a kid of his size yeah i mean it it does make you think like i mean i couldn't have been as good at him as good as good as as him but maybe i could have been like a walk-on or something i couldn't have been but it makes you he you know he makes us all dream big hunter renfro um, yeah, I'm, I'm still hung up on Carter Grooms here. Um, anyways, good to see him get sure. in the game. Um, well, and Will Sweeney, like Will Sweeney's, you know, Will and Drew were both in the game, you know, and he made, and Will made the mistake late in the game, but like, he does such a good job on, on, uh, fielding the, or holding the, the kicks yeah. or the snaps for the kickers. He, he, he deserves the playing time he gets. Here's a really good, like stand up guy too. So I like Mr. Sweeney. So the the Sweeney kids got in. Uh, Jake Venables was in. Ben Batson was in. Um, some other fifth string quarterback I've never heard of got in the game. <laughs> McClure was it McClure? Um, just you know, you, I guess you can kind of sense it at the time when it was going on. I mean, you, you knew that we were emptying the bench, but that's just a phenomenal number. And I want to kind of flip that here before we get into the game. Um, just of what that does for recruiting. So it's not only the Ray Ray thing and what we saw at, um, at halftime there and Dabba's reaction, but just being able to get so many kids in the game. Um, you don't see any other schools really doing this. 
And I've got to think that that goes a long way. I mean, not only shows how personable Dabo is as a coach, he's a player's coach, but, you know, you come to Clemson, at some point you're going to get on the field. Yeah, I mean, you think it, it, everyone says, wow, think of what that does for recruiting. I, we don't know what that does for recruiting because if we played 111 guys or if we just played 61 guys, I think we're still going to come away with a pretty good recruiting class. But well, let's say it can't hurt getting knowing that some players could really get locked behind. Um, some good players could come in like, uh, say, like Sheridan Jones and can get locked in behind uh, some couple of really good players. So, I mean, it, not a bad strategy. And it, it, de- it definitely does feel like a more entertaining event. And it, like you talk about Puma Chan, it's good watching the young players. Yeah, and the thing is, I mean, it still only gave up 10 points in this game. Uh, had 21 first downs to Charlotte's 11, and that's with playing all those guys. Um, yeah, I, saw, I, mean, I saw a pretty funny uh, – uh, somebody wrote something on Facebook after the game, kind of ranking the ACC teams. And one was Clemson, two was Clemson second string, three was Clemson third string, <laughs> four was Clemson recruiting class, and five was the extras on the hill. It sounds about right. I mean, I like that. I like Will Healy. They did a lot of, like, Dabo connection with him, you know, coach for, for Charlotte. So – but you got to get, you know, he's brings, brings the enthusiasm, but that's, that's a program build. That's a, that's a job. Um, and it's going to take a little while to get some talent to matriculate in there. They haven't done bad this year. They played Appalachian uh, state close. They had a couple of other uh, decent wins for the, the type, you know, the, the level of school they are. So, you know, he models himself after Dabo. That's what they were saying. And there's a pretty big connection there. I believe the Charlotte AD is a, is a Clemson guy, um, formerly at Florida and Gainesville. Um, but his son's a big Clemson fan. So, uh, yeah, just really, it's really great all around. And to know that Dabo's becoming the role model for a lot of these young coaches and to just see coaches that young, it's becoming much more of a common thing. Uh, not only in college football, it's even kind of creeping into the NFL now. But, um, you know, a lot of young coaches and a lot of young quarterbacks playing. It's turning into more, uh, more of a youthful sport. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a natural kind of evolution of things, but it's a high risk, high reward strategy. Clemson was the beneficiary, but, you know, take like Clay Helton at USC. I, I, you're, you're probably not going to be successful with that strategy, but if you hit, you might hit it big. And that's what Clemson did. Well, lucky us. Um, so let's keep going uh, here on recruiting, Cody. I know you wanted to get a few words in here um, about, we haven't talked about this in a while, just kind of how our 2020 class is shaping up. We did get the the big commit today from the top uh, 2021 center in the nation, but that's a little bit far down the road for us. But let's kind of look at the 2020 class and what you got for me. Yeah, and I, w- I won't go player by player. I'll I'll hit on a few guys, but I think the, the thing that if anyone that follows the, the breadcrumbs of of recruiting, you kind of know what 2020 is shaping up to be from like a roster standpoint. And it's, I would say on paper, and again, it's on paper, the most talented Clemson roster we've, we've ever had. And that's assuming good health and, and not a ton of attrition in the off season. I mean, everyone knows Trevor Lawrence is going to be around for another year. Um, in most position groups, I mean, ETN will probably be gone, but most position groups have a really good player um i think where, where we're lacking is potentially running back where you have then you have demarcus bowman who i just i love this guy's film he's five-star running back out of florida reminds me of dalvin cook he's just he's so explosive he's a little bit like etn but maybe a little bit lower center lower center of gravity type running back just super super explosive and then brian Brissy, am i pronouncing that correctly um sure so that's going to be our other position of need, right? Like uh, the defensive line. We're already we're already using just 
you know, three, four type sets because I think we're lacking at the defensive tackle position. Well, he's your out of the box, five star, maybe the top player in the country, just ready to go. You put him alongside Tyler Davis, throw XT on the at one end position and then plug whoever else on the other side. All of a sudden that that defensive line is looking like one of the best in the country. And not that it's not good this year, but I mean, one year, um, we're one year away from just having a, another absolutely stacked defensive front. And the 2020 class is not done yet. Aren't we still in it for Justin Flo and Jordan Birch? Yeah. So, I mean, and I, you know, I haven't even mentioned that this is shaping up to be our best recruiting class ever. And, and, and it's probably with some distance, but yeah, the, we're still in the running Justin Flo, five-star linebacker out of California. And now we've created that pipeline with the Engadas, um, or at least one Engada. And then, you know, he's the number, I think two to five player in the country. I mean, he's not, he's super talented. You really shied away from uh, pronouncing Yungalele there, didn't you? Yeah, I'm not even. Yeah. You, you were coming for it. <laughs> I want to talk about him, but I just, I'm not gonna, I don't want to butcher the name. You can call him DJ. Um, but you didn't even uh, mention uh, the eighth ranked player in Rivals uh, class this year, defensive end Miles Murphy, who's committed to us. So, I mean, you've got already, uh, what's that, one, two, three, uh, the top two guys in Rivals, top 10. Plus the number eight guy already committed to Clemson and add either Birch or Flo. Uh, hell, maybe even both. And Clemson runs away with four to five of the top 10 ranked players in this class. That is absolutely phenomenal. And we think what we're seeing right now um, is the best Clemson's ever been. And it surely is. Like even this team is shaping up to possibly be better than the last uh, last year's team. And I don't even know how. Um, I, I can't even fathom. I couldn't even fathom that happening at the beginning of the season with everything we lost on defense. Uh, but man, it just keeps on coming. And if I'm the rest of the ACC, I might just drop football. I think half of the ACC should seriously consider it. And that has nothing to do with Clemson, but, um, <laughs> but moving on, I, I no, I, I, you're exactly right. All these players out of the top 10 are going to Clemson and it is, I mean, we, you know, we've had success. We've had top 10 classes for the most part in the last several years or top 15. A lot of that's we're restricted because of recruiting numbers. So on a per star basis, we're, you know, a top five program, but this is the one class where we're just hitting it out of the ballpark with almost every recruit. Um, I don't know what the per star rating is right now, but I think we're, we're tops of the, on that list. Yeah. And it's um, 4.05 is our average star rating right now. Are you looking at the rankings? I am. Are we top? Does that put uh, us up at the top? Oh, yeah. We're definitely number one for, uh, for 2020. Okay. There you go. All right. So, I mean, you mentioned Miles Murphy. We do need some help at defensive end. Like, I mean, you do have the young guys come along, but he's one of those ready-made, just, just such a physical, imposing guy. Could probably play some inside, at the, uh, go inside a defensive tackle, but he's going to be one of those surefire, uh, multifaceted defensive ends that can set the edge. And then one guy that it's kind of, it's on our radar we're between us and probably South Carolina, maybe Georgia is Jordan Birch out of, out of uh, somewhere in Columbia. And he's, he has the chance to be that speed rusher, just another physical freak. Probably. It seemed like he was leaning towards Carolina. I don't, we're not going to be the rumor mill here, but I mean, just think about that recruiting hall from a, a def, like all top 10 defensive lineman. I mean, just insane. And you know, I'm not even, I haven't even mentioned Walter Park. Walk, uh, excuse me, Walker Parks or the other three offensive linemen that are four stars or higher. So just around the all around, just an amazing class. Yeah, just back to Birch real quick. Uh, I question anybody's sanity that would choose South Carolina over Clemson right now. Um, but you know, teach their own. 
I mean, what is that argument though? Like I, if you're, I mean, I know it's close to home. You got some ties. I, I get that, but I mean, I, he's seeing that what, what's going on there. And you're like, you're going to come in and be the, you're going to redeem the program. Is that the cell? I mean, is that. Yeah. Well, ask Tavian Feaster. Right. I mean, and Cleveland Farrell comes back for a year and, you know, punches above his weight class to become the number three pick. Now he's going to be a great pro, but I don't think he's the number three talent, but I mean, that's, that's something to point to. If you're Clemson, it's like, Hey, you might, you're probably a little, a little bit more talented than Cleveland Farrell, and your upside's unlimited. Well, so all that remains to be seen. Uh, but yeah, all the dominoes still have yet to fall in this 2020 class. And now we're off to a good start on the 2021 class. It's just, you know, where does when when or how does this train stop? Uh, I don't see it. It's it's one thing that we're head and shoulders above everybody in the ACC. But you know, even seeing what we did in the college football playoff last year, you know, to really good teams, Notre Dame maybe not the elite team, although we can talk about that after their game against Georgia this week. But Alabama for certain. Um, you know, it's. You know, that, that ass whooping against Alabama was not an anomaly. I guess these guys are just that good and it's, they're just going to keep getting better. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a good team here and it does seem like Alabama has come back down to earth a little bit over the last, I don't know, two, maybe even three seasons. I don't know they won a championship, but now there's an elite like tier in college football and it seems like Clemson is firmly entrenched in it. Maybe they're ahead of the pack, but I mean, there's everybody else too. There's Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State. I don't think there's like a whole lot of separation anymore from the elite, elite teams. Now there, there are year to year, but I mean, I'm speaking uh, specific to this year. Well, and you know what the big difference for me is in this age of social media is uh, we've got a coach who has charisma and personality. And do you see that at Nick Saban? No. You see that at Kirby Smart? Not really. Ed Orgeron, he's his own thing. I really like him. Um <laughs> I don't know if you'd call his voice personality, but to me, that gives him a ton of personality. Uh, big fan of his. Uh, you know, hell, even Les Miles with Kansas. They got a win over uh, Boston College. Who would have saw that coming? Um, you know, there's another guy with charisma and personality. So um, that seems to be winning out for Clemson. It seems to be the, the secret recipe. No, I think so. I mean, it, it's definitely paying dividends in terms of recruiting. Um, but I mean, Kirby, the Georgia and Alabama aren't going anywhere either, though. Well, they're not. Yeah, they're not moving up to one. Yeah, I mean, not not unless a couple ACC teams get really good in short order. Um, that does not appear to be happening. Yeah. Um, when we're talking about Wake Forest and Virginia, probably being our two toughest. If Virginia goes on, I don't know, Pitt could win the, the Coastal again this year. But um, within the Atlantic, Wake Forest, our biggest competition. I think so. That ain't good. I mean, Florida State with uh, Horner Book, they could bounce back and, and, I mean, not give us much of a game, but be respectable, which is probably more than what they were able to do last year. Yeah, doubt it. They barely beat Louisville. Um, so speaking of uh, inferior football teams, let's talk about this game. Let's start with the offense here. Um, one of the big things coming out of the last game, and uh, Larry Williams over at Tiger Illustrated had a good article uh, right up about this early in the week, 
was Clemson's struggles on third down through the first three games of the season. One thing that he pointed out was it was really our struggles on first down, not being able to get a lot of yardage that led to us setting up more difficult third downs and just not executing. Um, we were hitting a lot of big plays for the ones where we did move the chains. A lot of our scoring drives actually um, did not – let's see – Tigers total 15 drives and reached third down just seven times on those possessions coming into coming into this past game. So not the, I don't think we were going to learn a lot on this game, but certainly that trend did turn around. I think the Tigers were uh, five and nine on third down this game, but again, didn't see a lot, but is that something that you had picked up on leading into this game at all for this offense? Yeah. Well, you know, we talked about a little bit last week and he, Things didn't look good, but man, it's it's crazy how much how many points you can get you can put up when you look kind of clumsy and and a little bit rusty. Whereas like we were always on track, we stayed ahead of the chains when Kelly Bryant was the quarterback. But because we did like that big play uh, ability, the points weren't there or not not enough of them. So it's I think these these games like Charlotte though for for where there are some some things to work out. There's something to be said for, I know it's not a great opponent, but just to get your confidence for Trevor Lawrence to get his timing down with receivers, um, just for all these things to start coming into um, coming into shape. I think I don't think this game, I, you couldn't do this against Georgia Tech. I don't think we wanted to air things out as much against Georgia Tech, and it wasn't as easy against uh, A&M. So uh, it, it's good. These games do serve a, a point, and we're one step closer. The offense is a little bit better. Well, yeah, absolutely. And again, UNC Charlotte's no complete slouch. They're not an FCS team. Um, but, you know, and we, we've cautioned this in the past few episodes. And, you know, the guys, Larry Williams, Paul Strilo, uh, David Hood's written about this. Um, you know, we've seen this offense sputter coming out of the, the gates within the past, you know, four years, going back to Deshaun Watson. So it's not really a, a big area of concern for me. Um, I think one point is Clemson's now scored 40 points in three of the first four games uh, of a season for the first time in school history. Um, so that doesn't tell me we should be too concerned about the offense. No, I, I don't think so. And we have a pretty good backup quarterback as well. So, I mean, every position, there's an advantage. There's something that I think when the, the OCs get get into just their – their playoff mode where there's nothing to lose. I, I think we'll be just fine. And one thing that the guys at Tiger Illustrated pointed out, I think was how the difference between the, the beginning product in 15 and 16 and then the end product. A lot of that had to do with Deshaun Watson. But I mean, same can be said for last season as well. Even like Trevor Lawrence, when he was, they take him against Syracuse last season and like Alabama, like completely different player. That is true. And he was a true freshman last year, as good as he was, you know, it took him some time to get his legs under him, uh, you know, get the playbook down and adjust to the speed of the, uh, the, the college game. Um, but obviously by the end of the year, he was in perfect form and <laughs> had it all pretty much down pat. And so this is just coming out a new year. Um, I mean, we haven't been, we haven't necessarily struggled. There's been some stretches uh, where we've had some three and outs or, you know, kind of went scoreless for several possessions in a row, but you know, all in all, we're not opening up the playbook and we sound like a broken record here. Um, but in this game, again, not a lot you can take away. Trevor only played three possessions, uh, but it was good to see Chase Bryce get in there. He had some beautiful throws on the day. Um, I, you know, I think his, 
his deep balls, his touch with his deep balls are, are, is really, really good. Um, he tends to put them in the right place to give the receiver a chance. We've seen Trevor Lawrence kind of underthrow him at times this year, but Chase seems to have them out ahead of the guys. Um, but also good to see uh, Tyson Pumachan come in the game. I think his, um, he looked a little bit, a little bit anxious. I think he needs to develop better touch and improve his ac- accuracy, but I like his arm. What do you take away from him? Yeah, and I mean, same. He's super, super raw, and but he does have some playmaking ability. You saw him make a, a play in the open field; like he's pretty good runner, and he seems pretty instinctive when he, when he's running. Pretty solid vision. Yeah, you're right. Like a lot of like the timing, the the processing. I heard Steve Nash, former NBA player, talk about the difference between NBA players and college players. He's like, he said, the talent level is the exact same. It's like it's not a thing of talent. It's, it's mental processing. Guys at higher levels can process things faster. Same thing at the college level, um, especially a quarterback. Well, it's the more experience you have with something, right? Like the longer you are in your career, you're going to make less mistakes. Things are going to become uh, more natural to you. So, I mean, this kid's a true freshman. Um, you know, he, did, he have a, did he have a passing touchdown in this game? He did not. I don't, he had, I don't he believe had, so. Yeah. He had the one interception. I recall that was on a tip. Um, but listen, obviously he has some work to do. I don't. I would not expect him to redshirt this year, given that Young Lele is coming in next year. You got to get this kid some action and give him the best opportunity and put him in the best position to challenge for that um, that third string, possibly second string job next year. Yeah, and I, and I mean, I know that's by necessity, but I don't think, I don't think the coaches had any ideas of Pumachan being a, a legitimate factor in year one and probably not year two either. I mean, just his timeline, if he's ever going to amount to a good player at Clemson, probably going to be year three. But I mean, like you said, you, you, depth charts starting to wear thin. Um, it looks like, like bad news, but it looks like Chase Price is going to be moving on. I would be moving on if I were him. For next year, hopefully he goes to Oklahoma where he can win a Heisman. Um, <laughs> but uh, seriously, I think he, I think Lincoln Riley could pull that off. But uh, I mean, it's just it's the it's the reality of it. He's I think he's that talented to be like like everyone's saying, probably the second best or one of the best quarterbacks in the ACC, maybe even better. He will always go down and he will he will go down at Clemson lore as saving last year's undefeated season uh, with that ninety three yard drive in the fourth and six passed it um against Syracuse um so I would obviously would not blame him and I'd love to see the kid get out there um be the starter for a school and have success but he's one of those guys who would really hurt to lose yeah no I, I agree um I don't I don't think anyone's rooting for that but he's definitely one guy like you said he, he, there's a certain fondness everyone in Clemson has for him if he goes on to another school, as long as it's not South Carolina, everyone's going to be a big Chase Bryce fan. Yeah, he ain't going to South Carolina. Um, yeah. No, I mean, and guys like, you know, Hunter Johnson and Zarek Cooper, you know, I've, I've followed them and their uh, careers um, since leaving Clemson. But just, you know, Chase Bryce sticking around, you got you to gotta give it to the kid and uh, really admire um, – his commitment to the school and everything he's done, but you know, he deserves an opportunity. And if that means him transferring out next year, so be it best of luck to him, but let's not dwell on that. Now we're still going to see him in a lot more action in this coming season. 
Yeah, and what I do like about his game that I see it's it's different than than Trevor Lawrence is he, he seems. I mean, yeah, Trevor Lawrence is fast, but you know, to be fast to be a good runner, it's not necessarily the same thing. What I see from Jace Bryce is he's he uh, he's a little bit stronger. He's more powerful as a runner. He's probably a little bit more nimble. Um, and I think if if he were to go in and, and t- sort of a long term scenario, I think you would see a lot more zone option with him and Etienne. And they'd rely on that as kind of the, the base of the offense. Um, and you probably wouldn't see quite as much downfield passing, but that's not to say that he doesn't have that uh, ability. Well, and with the wide receivers that we have on this team, why not, right? I mean, I would see no reason to hold that back if you, even if you bring him in as quarterback. And again, he's, he's thrown some really beautiful deep balls, some great fades into the end zone this year. I've really been impressed by that. Right, right. I mean, I think I think where where I see from him is he's a little bit, um, and you know, it could just be you're coming off the bench. You've been sitting down for a, a quarter and a half or two and a half quarters, and he does look a little bit rusty. He may, he might make a, a throw every now and then that's just like, whoa, what were you thinking? He's cutting down on those a little bit, but ultimately, I think yeah, I think we have a good backup quarterback. Um, and so switching to the running backs, we don't need to talk much about ETN. He had 11 carries, 61 yards in this game. Lynn J. Dixon, I'm really, you know, we've seen flashes from him and it's always been kind of hard to tell uh, because of the competition that he's playing against. But the more I watch this kid run, the more I really think that he's legit. Yeah, I I definitely think so. I mean, I still believe I don't, I I want some, another player to kind of platoon with him. Uh, If if it were next year, say, and, and Bowman's not quite ready. I'd want more like that power back. If that's Malusi or if it's, um, Mikey Dukes. I don't know if Mikey's a power back, but just something that's complimentary to him. But yeah, he's a very talented runner. He can do some things. I think, didn't Tony Elliott say maybe actually it was Mikey Dukes that's the best pass catcher, but I'd say uh, Dixon's up there in terms of his ability to catch, uh, you know, catch some check down passes out of the backfield. So he does give you something a little bit different. Yeah, Mikey Dukes, former uh, basketball point guard. Um, so he, yeah, he's got really good hands. Uh, speaking of him and Malusi, I've been very impressed by what I've seen. Uh, from them so far this year. And again, two guys that I would not expect to redshirt given uh, we'll be losing ETN next year. And then you're really just Lynn J. Dixon, Dukes and Malusi, and then Bowman. Yeah, that's, I mean, we're talking, say that there is a, a place for a really good running back to come in and make an instant impact. Running backs are hardly ever ready to go out of the box, but if, if there's an opportunity for a guy to really get in and make an impact, that it would be Bowman. Um, and who's the other guy? We got another running back, Kobe Pryor. Yeah, he's a, he's another good four star player. Like in previous seasons, like that's your James Davis, and uh, we haven't even mentioned him uh, as we're talking about next year's recruiting class. Well, what was Etienne a three star? Ah, Etienne was like a low four star, under the radar three star for most of his recruitment. I think some services had him four star, but and look at him now. Um, what do you think about the Heisman? We should just not even think about it anymore from here on out. And I'm not, I don't mean just this year, any year. So yeah. Playing so many guys and your competition's so weak that, I mean, Trevor's only in there for three series. ETN's only getting 11 touches. I mean, the way that we've approached things, and it, it really dates back to Deshaun Watson. There wasn't as much depth back then, and there were games were much closer back then. But, now that out of the last couple of years, it's just been, it's not even about one featuring one player. It's like, we're, we're not even featuring one string. Like we're getting in the second, third string. Yeah. It's, it's really a sign of how poor the, the schedule is too, though, unfortunately. 
Well, one day. Uh, it doesn't look like through four games this year unless either ETN or Trevor Lawrence really put up some phenomenal stats and uh, very little playing time throughout the rest of the year. But I don't know. Trevor's got next year. Yeah. I mean, if you if we had a Heisman front runner right now, I would say it's T. Higgins. I wouldn't even say it's Lawrence or ETN. Yeah, absolutely. Have a rebuttal um, or another player in mind? Well, T. Higgins had one catch in this game, but that's enough for me to give him the reward. You know, just, Maybe Isaiah Simmons. Yeah, I was going to say Isaiah Simmons, um, but you know, hard for a uh, a linebacker slash safety to win that award. True. Um, Latson had a really nice diving catch. We saw him, we saw Ngata a lot more in this game. Uh, you know, talk about all the talent. So really good to see those young kids get in. Uh, Latson's really been showing out. I know Nagata's had all the hype or Ngata's had all the hype, but Latson's looked really good so far. Yeah. I mean, it's no surprise. I, his film out of high school, he's, he's super, super talented. Uh, and both of them, they said were as good, or I'm sorry, they were further along than Justin Ross was the year before with, with Ngata being up there with Sammy Watkins and, like he had one opportunity. He's had, he hasn't had a whole lot of opportunities this year, but he had one chance in the open field where you could see some of his quickness and strength. Right. And you're like, okay, yeah, I see a little bit of Sammy. And if we were playing, uh, or if we didn't have a lot of talented wide receivers, like he would be a focal point of the offense. But and that, you know, honestly, I think down the road they're saving stuff. There, there's going to be packages that are going to involve him because he's absolutely just kind of a, yeah, it's a peculiar way to, to use a, you know, a Sammy Watkins in waiting, but yeah, if that's what it takes to win another championship, let's, let's do it. Well, the same thing with Justin Ross last year, right? It's, it's exactly, I mean, it's exactly right. Um, so the last thing I'll touch on here on the, the offensive side of the ball, um, Cody, you mentioned uh, in our recap of the Syracuse game that you thought Amari Rogers looked like he was going about 80%. Um, so apparently Amari ran faster on his long TD against Syracuse than he ever has. He got his split was a four two forty. This is five months and thirteen days <laughs> after coming back from a torn ACL. If if that's eighty percent, give it to me all day long. Well, I, I didn't mean his top end speed was eighty percent. So what happens when you hurt your knee? The, you're you're more your, reluctant your to cuts. cut. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't see him cutting as aggressively like he has in the past. But yeah, no, he's I. Frankly, I had no idea. I knew he was fast, did not know he could do like four two, four three type stuff. He's a freak. Well, and again, the amazing part is the five months and 13 days number. Um, I was, when they were starting to bring that up in the game, we were I was talking to some guys at the bar and I was bringing up Adrian Peterson. I was like, you know, Peterson came back pretty fast from his uh, torn ACL and that was kind of the benchmark of it. He was like eight months. Amari beat him by three months. Yeah. It really makes me question these other guys who tear their ACL. You know, I've seen Deshaun play play with a torn ACL and, and, <laughs> and like kill South Carolina. And now Amari turns it around in five months and 13 days and uh, gets gets clocked to 4240 on the field. Yeah, dude, I, I'm speechless. I don't know. I don't know what goes on. I mean, the rehab must be just I mean, and, you know, maybe he has he has dad who's helping him along a little bit. I, I have no idea. But I think it's this mentality, man. Like the kid just has it. Um and, you know, you read all the stories about him and all the effort he put in, how he wasn't going to let him. He, he didn't get down on himself, and he, he missed one game, and that happened in the spring game. That is absolutely amazing. We are very fortunate to have kids like him um, and, you know, and really all the other players. A lot of good stories on this Clemson football team. A lot of good character guys um, that really represent the university well, so couldn't be more appreciative of that. 
Yeah, and he's he's gonna have like he's gonna make plays down the stretch. If, if we're if we are to win a championship, he's gonna be a big part of that. Like you, we need him and his skill set. He typically leads the team in catches. Yeah, I mean he'll make a couple open field plays that can be like you know your Deion Kane uh, from sixteen. Like that's his that's his skill set. Maybe one day he'll return another punt. Yeah, maybe. So not a lot to talk about on the offense. Really had to dig deep there. But uh, on the defensive side of the ball, the 49ers had 153 rushing yards in this game. Uh, their running back, Benny LeMay, actually rushed for uh, for 81 yards, most of that coming in the first half of the game. There was room up the middle there. We had a lot of the starters and second-team guys in. Um, and on their second drive, they were marching downfield uh, before uh, Kevon Wallace had that pick six. It seemed a little lackadaisical at times for me on the inside. Yeah, I mean, some poor angles in pursuit, it seemed, and, and other maybe a missed assignment here and there, or people losing their leverage to the inside. I, you know, I, I don't put much into it. I, hate, I mean, I, I think, guys, I'm not saying they took a week off, but I, I think you play a little bit differently when you're against AM versus Charlotte. Yeah, and, 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 you know, Charlotte, to their credit, they run the football really well. Um, so I guess that wasn't a, a huge surprise. Um, tackling has still been kind of iffy this year. You've seen some some guys bouncing off sometimes, especially from the linebackers. But I guess the, the, looking on the bright side, um, the secondary between the corners and the safeties and Isaiah Simmons there at the nickel sand position, man, they close quick. The thing of beauty. It's, a, it's nice to watch. And, you know, one thing, Chad Smith, it seems like he's really, he's lost some weight this year to, to, to be a little bit faster. And I, I see that on film and him and Skowski have, have missed some tackles, but I, I think I've said this in the previous episode, they're, they're making, they're getting to ball carriers that perhaps their predecessors couldn't have got to. So like, it's kind of a, it's kind of a mix. It's a, you know, it's a little bit of a mixed bag there. So even if you're slowing them down for the other guys to close in, it's, it's effective. Right. Right. And yeah, I mean, the way that he's Venables is trusting his linebackers in secondary this year. Again, like some, the, the, a lot of the, the trickeration or the pre-snap disguise is, is, is happening a lot on the second level. So, I mean, they're, they're doing things that are, that provide value to the defense, even though you don't see it always uh, in real time. Yeah. And I just I keep, marveling over what a genius Brent Venables is continuing to see these three man's fronts and he's just getting his best players on the field and giving teams a different look um, using three guys to clog up the middle and just using that closing speed from from the second you know second and third levels um, it's a it's a thing of beauty and, and I just we can't say much more about you know what a great defensive coordinator he is it will be interesting to see as the season goes along, once people start getting tape um, on these formations, if that changes things. But I really can't see an offense that's going to do a lot of damage uh, against us until maybe you get to, you know, we'll see what Sam Howell can do next week uh, for North Carolina. Um, he actually wasn't, didn't seem to be the reason why they lost over the weekend to Appalachian State. But, uh, you know, you mentioned Hornybrook at Florida State. Do we really expect them to do anything? Um, and then, you know, Wake and Helensky at South Carolina. Yeah. I mean, it's not a, exactly a gauntlet, but, uh, 
what is really impressive is I, I don't we're we're getting nowhere near the penetration, and some of that's just by design. We're only we're only rushing three, but it's nowhere near what it was the two years prior, and we're still able to create pressure in different ways and and suffocate ball carriers um, without you know after two or three yards down the field. It's I mean, you were saying it's another masterpiece by Venables, like this season that is like, I, I don't know if this might be his best work. And I look at all, all of the seasons as different, you know, some of the, the guys overlap from year to year, but if you go back again to 15, you lost, you lost the, the, all those guys from 14, you lost eight players. You go into the next year, you lost eight players, 17 and or 18 and uh, I'm 17 and 18 were mostly the same, but now it's another completely new guys. So every, almost every season is completely different. So with, with that said, this might be his best work yet, his, his best over. And it's still young. The season's still young. Yeah, we're only a third of the rate through the regular season. Uh, we'll have to see how it plays out. Again, we're not playing high-powered offenses. Uh, but, you know, they did a great job against Kellen Mond and Texas A&M. Um, Georgia Tech was never going to put up much of a fight. Uh, and as it turns out, Syracuse offense was – I think we were just all hoping they'd be a good team <laughs> to give us some sort of competition. And then you got Charlotte. So we've got to see them. I think we won't really be able to say that until, you know, we get through an ACC championship game and even almost you have to wait to the college football playoff and see how all that um, shakes out. But I feel like Pumachan could be our quarterback and that defense would hold just fine and we'd still win games. <laughs> like they're that good. That's right. And I, and I don't mean, by the way, I don't, I'm not comparing these defenses year by year, just Venable's job. The job, the, right. Yeah, absolutely. In his respective talents. And you're right, though. We, you have to see a little bit more than A&M because Syracuse wasn't quite the team we thought they would be. So we only have one, uh, one baseline measurement right now. And we'll see how that one goes. Uh, A&M, I want them to be world beaters. They lost to Auburn. Yeah, and so we just expect to see more of the same as the, the season progresses. I guess the question for us is, do we see a team out there that's going to put up more than 14 points on Clemson? I mean, is it – I mean, after we saw all the reserves come in this game and still hold them, do you think somebody puts up more than, than two touchdowns? I mean, surely it's got to happen, right? Somebody's going to get 17 or something, right? I, you know, I don't know. It just it depends on how many – uh, punts will Sweeney will muff in order to make that happen. But, but even the turnovers result yeah. in, you know, goal line stands. Right. I mean, that's what we've seen so far. So 14 points given our schedule. I mean, it'll, it'll happen. It'll absolutely happen. Probably, probably because of field position. But I think the part, other part is like, even when we get late in games, Venables doesn't like giving up touchdowns. Like we've, we've seen what he, when he goes to, he'll put the starters back in, and like, and I, I like that strategy. It's a, it's a mentality you have, and manifest itself on the, on the defense. So let's see. So far this year, the Tigers have given up forty points through four games. That's ten points a game. Um, you stretch that out to a twelve-game regular season. That's an average of, well, that's one hundred and twenty points, right, total in the year. Um, if that holds, that means we will have almost played as many guys in one game as points we would have given up all year long. It's stupid. It's just stupid. Like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. 
And you know what's important too is, and we can't, I don't believe the S&P ratings will come out for another like week. And I hope Bill Connolly is doing the S&P because he's with ESPN now. But it does, t- it does factor out garbage time. So like that A&M touchdown doesn't count. So right. that's going to be a better measurement of, of the defense. Um, so other bright points in a game full of them, uh, Kevon Wallace got that redemption at 66 yard in a pick six. That was pretty cool after he dropped that one. Man, our, our safeties have both had great years so far. Haven't they? And, and Kevon, uh, in addition to that near pick he had on the previous drive, um, he had a batted ball at the line, um, earlier on in the game too. So he's just, he's been playing phenomenal this year. It's, uh, it's pretty great. You know, coming off of last year where we thought the secondary was still a little bit shaky and the defensive line compensated for some of our weaknesses in pass coverage, man, they're really doing it this year. Yeah, I mean, I said that they would be exposed. The whole back seven would be exposed. They've been exposed, but they've been only in the sense that <laughs> the light's shining on them and they're 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 coming up. They're they're up to the task every single time. So yeah, it's they've been quite the unit. And I said they would have to prove it to me. I, I'm not going to buy it until I see it. And they've they've proven it. Every single one of them, and it's it's pretty clear the communication between the linebackers and the safeties is much better this year. And I maybe it's just a year or two playing together. I don't know the reason for that exactly, but I think it's because Isaiah Simmons is running all over the field telling everybody <laughs> what to do. He's all over the damn place. He, he covers as much ground as two people. That yeah, that could be it. I would love to see his. Um, uh, you know, I'm sure I know they track the distances these guys run and um, how far they travel throughout a game. I'd be interested to see him just just moving in and out of formations. Right, got to be a couple miles, and not to go into like the the drool over Isaiah Simmons, you know, rant. But now I come to think of it, like why we were so successful against Bama in in the playoff, and I, I you know, I, I thought it might have been kind of fluky because Isaiah hadn't played that way all season, but he really did play a huge role in in shutting down Bama because they were able to do a lot at the line of scrimmage. They were having success running the ball. But ultimately, they, they, we needed guys like him to make plays in space. And he's carried whatever he did in that game over to this season and then some. Yeah, so we came into this year asking the question of whether or not he can move into a first-round pick. Um, last week, I think I mentioned that he could be moving into a top 15. The, the more I see of him, I don't wonder. I mean, there, there's a real shot. If somebody um, – if you know, however the NFL draft positioning shakes out, if there is a team in there – with a, you know, in the top 10 that, you know, has a position of need at the linebacker uh, position, then he could be a top 10 pick. Sure. And, you know, what I was thinking not too long ago, they were, I guess they were doing a mock draft and we could have four first round picks. Now that's probably not going to happen. Likely just probabilities. It's unlikely, but it could. Um, And three is realistic. It's reasonable. And that, you know, that's Isaiah Simmons, T Higgins, Etienne, and perhaps the fourth guy I think would be AJ Terrell. Yeah, that's who I would think too. But I mean, that's crazy after three last year, but I think anywhere from two to three is completely reasonable with Isaiah Simmons probably leading the pack and Higgins not far behind. It's, it's stupid, man. Uh, and even, I mean, it's hard to talk about this anymore. Nobody competes. Like, could we beat the Dolphins? <laughs> I'd say no, only because Christian Wilkins is on that team. Yeah. I wonder what he would say. Maybe. Well, that's a good point. He'd be the one to ask, wouldn't he? Yeah. 
Um, all right, special teams. We had a couple short kickoffs. I think those were probably on purpose to give our uh, coverage team some practice, knowing that Charlotte really, really wasn't going to put up much against us. Um, outside of that, there was that weird punt formation on, on Spire's long punt that went like 64 yards. Granted, most of that was the role, but you know, I know we talked about that last episode, um, about nobody, you know, maybe I'm giving him more love than, than he deserves. Uh, but I have a lot of making up to do for his first two years. So, um, still liking what I'm seeing out of him. Yeah, no comment, but, uh, that was, it was really a special time watching special teams. Hey, Aiden Swanson's punt was 30 yards. So, uh, and you know, he was the guy recruited in uh, to be the punter. So. I'm going to float out like bad old, old takes about like, can't you, can't you just have a soccer player come on and kick it? I mean, more than 30 yards. Possibly. I actually made a bet with, um, I made a hundred dollar bet with Vince when we were in Syracuse. Um, he thinks he could punt a ball in the air. 25 yards. I bet him that he couldn't. And well, we didn't have a football or, or a tape. this is a really bad story, Ben, or a tape measure. Well, I'm asking you, do you think, he, do you think he could punt at oh, 25 yards? Well, yeah. I'd love to get in on that action. Um, so if it's just distance, I think he could do it. Yeah. In the air. And you mean literally just vertically 25 yards high? Wait, wait. No, 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 no. It has to, it can't roll. In the air, roll like travel roll. distance. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think he could kick it that far. I don't think that's that far. Well, ask Aiden Swanson. He kicked at uh, 30. <laughs> you got to get some hang time. So, like, yeah, I think an average Joe could go out as long as he's got some, like, modicum of athleticism. And I think he could kick 25 yards. Have you met Vince? Yeah, he's a lacrosse bro. So, I don't, I don't know. It's, but I do want in on that action, though. Okay, enough of Vince. He's going to ask that he gets uh, paid for this episode if he realizes he was on. Um, uh, there was actually some decent games, uh, multiple decent games this week uh, around college football. Uh, could you want to start with the Georgia-Notre Dame game? I mentioned last time that I thought Georgia was going to win by four touchdowns. Um, I am impressed by Notre Dame, but I'm equally unimpressed by Georgia, uh, only winning by six points there. The offense really didn't seem to be clicking. Notre Dame didn't necessarily have a really good running defense coming into this game. Um, Georgia ran okay, but at the end of the day, only had 18 more yards of total offense than Notre Dame. What do you, what do you take away from that? Yeah, and I, in, in full, you know, full disclosure, I, I didn't have a chance to watch as much because I was at a, again, a wedding, a rehearsal dinner for a wedding. And I, but yeah, what I did see from Georgia is exactly what you said. Like, I really expected them to take that next step. I think they've been borderline championship level. And I, I saw the same old Georgia. That's going to just be, you know, maybe a playoff t- team, maybe not. That's Notre Dame. Yeah, I'm definitely impressed with them. I, I think they deserve their ranking. They earned it. But ultimately, yeah, a little impressed by, impressed by Notre Dame and a little bit uh, more of the same for Georgia. Yeah, I, I still don't think Ian Book's a great quarterback, but he played fine in this game. I think he did have two interceptions, though. But, yeah, for Notre Dame to go in there in a hostile environment between the hedges on the road, um, you, you have to give them uh, definitely some respect for that game. I know it's if you're talking to Brian Kelly, 
he's probably not going to feel the same way having uh, gotten the loss. But, you know, playoff team last year, I think that probably kills their chances this year. I think if you're Notre – I think a team like Notre Dame has to go undefeated considering they don't have a conference championship game to play. But Well, you know, it's interesting with them. They, they play Michigan and they play USC and Stanford. And, of course, a close loss at Georgia is not necessarily all that bad for your resume. So the thing is, I'm sorry, those, which, which of those three teams are good? Yeah. Let me finish this. The thing is all these teams <laughs> are now dumpster fires, but it is, it makes the probability of them winning out like all the more likely. And then as long as Georgia doesn't flame out, then I think they have a case and, you know, I'm sure this is something Stephen A. Smith would say on like what's first take, but like there's, it was clear who the better coach team was in that game. And that's a huge indictment on, on Mr. Smart. Yeah. Um, and hey, don't hate on uh, Southern Cal, man. They're they're up in the rankings this week after beating my uh, my uh, my fourth seed playoff prediction team, Utah. Um, so at least saving saving some yeah. face there. Yeah, I mean, sure, uh, they're they're okay. Um, yeah, I mean, they aren't as bad. I mean, I think they they beat Stanford a couple weeks ago, and they beat. I think they blew them out. So, but still, I mean, I think Notre Dame's not to do better than everyone they have on their schedule, and to say nothing of Michigan, who hey, let's let's suspect of them. Yeah, let's talk about Michigan. Can we? I I didn't watch it, but I saw the box score. So Wisconsin was up twenty eight nothing at halftime and took a thirty five nothing lead late in the third quarter. So they took a, it was just mercy from from that point on. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, ran, Wisconsin ran all over them. They had three hundred fifty yard, uh, fifty nine yards on the ground, and Michigan's offensive line was terrible. Like it was embarrassing. They were all over Shea Patterson. Um, Michigan had four turnovers, like just not a well-played game, executed, poorly coached. I, I have to wonder how much longer Michigan fans are going to put up with Jim Harbaugh or maybe even how much longer is Jim Harbaugh going to put up with, um, you know, being overhyped every year and then ending up yeah. possibly jumping out of the rankings with a couple more, with another loss. You know, I was thinking the same exact thing, and I'm, I'm sure this is what the, what's going on in the in Michigan and Arbor circles, but the, yeah, the arc of Jim Harbaugh is not what I expected. Usually when you get that, they come in, he gives them a huge shot in the arm in year one. They go straight from, you know, top five friends to top 15. And you just assume that next progression is going to come basically where we were about five years ago. You just assume they're going to be in playoff contention. They're getting great recruits, but they just, they never hit that next level. Like where Ohio State has been perennially, they just haven't hit that next level. And I think it's in part talent. And I mean, they good talent, not great talent. And then Harbaugh, like, I don't know. It's he, He's got the coaching chops, or we thought he did. Well, and I think the arc that you mentioned is somewhat inflated. Um, he, they've never really proven anything. Even if they're at their best under Harbaugh, I still think they were overrated. Um, so he hasn't really, to me, he hasn't done anything there. And for a guy who's supposed to be so good with quarterbacks, I mean, what do you have to show for it? I mean, no, you're, you're exactly right. And the other, I guess another critique of him is that with all of the the spread offenses, or at least even like Jimbo Fisher incorporating and, and, and Nick Saban incorporating spread offenses into pro style or spread offense concepts into pro style systems, like he, he just has been very reluctant to do anything with his offense. It's hurt him in recruiting. It's been a very lackluster style of offense, boring to watch, and it's doesn't doesn't score a lot of points either, which has been the main problem. 
he's too busy focusing on uh, setting up sleepovers with teenage boys. Um, <laughs> so speaking of Jimbo, um, oh, by the way, I've been saying this about Harbaugh and Michigan for four years, so like a little credit here. Um, speaking of Jimbo, uh, they came back and made it a game against Auburn, ended up losing 28-20. to 20. Um, Auburn was actually up late 28 to 10 with eight and a half minutes left in the fourth quarter before A&M came back. When you look at the numbers here, A&M held Auburn to less than 300 total yards of offense and now gained them by nearly a hundred yards. The turnovers really didn't seem to be an issue. Bo Nix only passed for a hundred yards. Um, Mon, you know, played well over 300 yards, two touchdowns. So I know it's only Jimbo's second year there. But I would have expected a little more out of him. And even possibly, especially playing there at Kyle Field, probably should have played a lot better than they did. No, that's exactly what I was thinking. It's it's not just – it's now it's this game combined with the Clemson game where um, – and I only got to see the first half. Mon's stat line looked good, but he was very unimpressive uh, in the first half. And, and the, the, it must have been a game of two halves because and it, the scoreboard indicates as much – Auburn I think it was, was a game of three quarters and then one quarter. Okay, well that makes sense. It's kind of like our game last year with them, but uh, Auburn was pretty much dominating the first half, and and it was kind of the same same narrative as as Georgia Notre Dame, and I, I was impressed with Auburn. I think they might be a little bit better than I suspected, and A and M might not be quite the top fifteen we thought they were. No, I mean, we'll see how the season plays out. And I know Clemson fans probably wanted uh, A&M to win that game to help our bolster our strength of schedule, but I don't care at this point. Just keep winning games and we're going to be fine. Um, elsewhere around the ACC, Bama blew out Ole Miss. Uh, Tua with another good day- game, passing for five touchdowns. Um, eventually they're going to play somebody. Um, Wait, that's Southern Miss. He said Ole Miss. Uh, Southern Miss, yeah. Uh, Ole Miss didn't fare much better against uh, Cal. <laughs> that, that juggernaut in Berkeley, California. <laughs> yeah. Hey, they're ranked, man. I got some Cal um, Cal grads that work in my office. They're super pumped. Um, so Alabama actually gets Ole Miss next week. Um, LSU put a whooping on Vandy, 66-38. Burrow with nearly 400 yards in that game and six touchdowns. He continues to look phenomenal, albeit Vandy. Um I guess you can question LSU's defense a little bit. Doesn't seem to be the same juggernaut as it has been in the past. They did give up 38 points. Um, one of those, I think, it was the last score was a pick six against the LSU backup quarterback. But you know, LSU seems to be legit, and maybe their defense isn't what it used to be, but their offense is sure as hell a lot better. I mean, their defense doesn't have to be as good as they used to be, but um, it's it's hard to know what's going on there. But what's really interesting, and I hate to say this, but hey, Clemson's about to go through you know murderer's row of North Carolina schools and the SEC West is loaded. That's going to be really fun to watch Alabama, LSU, um, even A&M and, and Auburn slug it out. And, and Georgia will get a few few uh, chances in there as well. I mean, I will say this about the SEC and all the hype they got, they've been getting over the past several years. I know it's died down a little bit, but at the pinnacle of the SEC's dominance, um, I know we all got tired of hearing about it, but man, it made some, some really Really great football games, you know, aside from those, you know, 10 to 6 affairs against Bama uh, with Bama and LSU. Right. And there's nothing else right now as entertaining as that. Even like Ohio State and Wisconsin, uh, you know, certainly not Ohio State and Michigan from the Big Ten. You know, Clemson doesn't have Florida State this season or in the last three seasons to be a legitimate rival to them. So, yeah, I mean, you have the SEC West and it's pretty darn good. And like you said, unlike previous seasons, like, 
you don't have the LSU Obama from 2012, but I think you have, you do have four really good teams there and they're looking down at the rest of the SEC because they're not even close. You know, I really think you're selling the Pac-12 short here. Um, I don't know if you saw the UCLA's uh, huge comeback win over Washington State. They won that game 67 to 63. Wazoo was up 49 to 17 halfway through the third. Okay. UCLA rallied to score to outscore them 50 to 14 over the last 22 minutes. That's just under a quarter and a half. There was almost 1,400 yards of total offense in the game, about 1,100 of which were through the air. Um, Wazoo's quarterback had 570 yards passing and nine touchdowns. UCLA has had 570 yards and five touchdowns. Like, what the? That is a crazy game. Not was, even football. <laughs> it sounds like a basketball score. And, it's, a, uh, it's, it's, you know, a pretty high-scoring game for Clemson basketball. You know, uh, there is, I will say this. The Pac-12 football, it's, um, it's kind of like the junior varsity um, compared to, like, you know, big boy football in the ACC. Uh, but it is entertaining for I, all of it. Yeah. I would, rather see, I would rather see two bad teams in a high-scoring game than two bad teams in a low-scoring game. Yeah. And it's kind of like the, the Big 12 and the Pac-12, kind of similar. Um, I, I think the, Pac, the Big 12 plays less defense, but pretty solid offensive products out of both leagues. Better than the Big Ten. You got quarterbacks from both leagues in the NFL. Yeah. Right? And doing well. So, um, speaking of NFL uh, hopefuls, uh, Mizzou beat South Carolina 34 to 14, really put a whipping on them. Did you oh. catch that one? I, I want to see Helinski in uh, kind of his, his third. He did not look good in this game at all, especially in the first half. Apparently, he had some elbow soreness earlier in the week that may have contributed to it a bit. Must chance kind of been, um, um, kind of toning it down on that saying it wasn't as big of a deal um kelly bryant had a decent game zoo racked up only almost 200 yards on the ground against south carolina so more of the same for south carolina's defense they only had 16 yards rushing i mentioned feaster earlier he only had 14 yards on six carries that just mm -hmm. continues to what a poor decision i you know he has to live with it but i still feel bad for the kid um and i think he's a good kid and, you know, he's a Clemson Tiger, and he did a lot for our program, but I don't know what he was thinking. Yeah, I mean, you have to – sometimes it's just better to, you know, to, to make a change for the sake of change. But, uh, yeah, I, it's, it's a tough one. That's a tough one. Um, so, so let me ask you, did you watch any of that game? Because I'm curious how Ke if Kelly Bryant were working with both his arms and, and his legs. He ran a little bit more in this game than he has been. Um, I don't have the numbers right off the top of my head, but I, I do know he ran a little bit more in this one. You had a good point last, like when I watched him against uh, a little bit against Bama, um, or I'm sorry, a little bit against uh, who did they play? Apologies here. Point being, he he wasn't he was more apt to to pass, and he just kind of neglected the run. And he needs both parts of that to be an effective or to be a good college quarterback, in my estimation. Yeah, I just I just don't get it if they're trying to preserve his health health or what. But I mean, his legs are a big part of his game. I know he's um, trying not to um, be pigeonholed as just a running quarterback. He has done better throwing the ball this year. But I think having that dual threat ability and like legitimately being dual threat um, is going to take him a lot further than just sitting back in the in the pocket and trying to pass the ball. Right, uh, seventeen carries, seventy seven yards. That's legit. And and South Carolina doesn't have a particularly good 
particularly good linebackers. So they don't have particularly good anything. That's true. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah. Um, hey, the ACC man, the one, the one shiny bright spot. Pitt beat number fifteen UCF. Yeah, juggernaut UCF. It's you don't have to hear them chirping anymore. That's finally. the that's the best part about it. Um, is to shut them up. Um, but hey, man, Pitt played Penn State close the week before. Um, Kenny Pickett looks to actually be a decent quarterback. Um, that being said, he was four of sixteen for eight yards last year against Clemson in the ACC championship game. So we'll see where that goes. But at least there's some like two teams with a heartbeat in the coastal division between Virginia and Pitt. So we'll watch them duel that out. Let's see if it ends in the five six way tie like it did last year over there. Yeah. Um, speaking of Virginia, they actually struggled. They were down 17 to seven at halftime against old dominion. I don't know why these Virginia schools keep playing old dominion after they embarrassed Virginia tech last year, but, uh, Virginia did bounce back 21 answer points in the second half. Um, I mentioned wake forest earlier. They beat Elon 49 to seven. At least they're beating a team like they should. Um, as opposed to Miami who beat central Michigan 17 to 12. <laughs> I'm just well, looking for silver linings here. Well, well to back to with. back to Virginia for a second. They're because they're playing Notre Dame uh, next week. It could have been a little bit of a letdown True. game. And I've heard a lot of good things about Virginia. This will be my first time watching them. It'll be interesting to see if they're they're really the class of the. Well, we'll say are they really the second best team in the ACC? Very very possible. It's not a, not a very high mark. Yeah, we'll see. And you mentioned we got the Virginia Notre Dame game coming up this weekend, which was really the best. I think it's the only uh, rank versus rank matchup coming up next week. Mm. Um, you know, Bama's home against Old Miss. You, you know how that one will go. Texas, Texas Tech at Oklahoma, and then Ohio State at Nebraska. I'm hoping we at least see these teams challenged so we can learn a little bit more about them. Yeah. Because I don't think we've learned a whole lot about many teams up to this point, unfortunately. No. And you can even include ourselves. Sure. Sure. It, it does make the argument for some restructuring. And, I, I mean, that's a whole other argument, off-season argument for another day. But it is something – at least we're doing our – holding up our end of the bargain, I think, with the, how we schedule preseason and always having South Carolina on the schedule. It's not our fault. They're not that good. But <laughs> we're doing our best to, to try to uh, – augment our our schedule and our strength of schedule i don't know man it's kind of our fault they're not that good sure well, we gave them josh bell feaster and uh I'm, am i missing someone i feel like we, we've had lost another player though that's Kyle, that's Colin mcmurray he did not that was wrong carolina my bad yeah well um yeah Sorry, we're, kyler mcmichael kyler mcmichael yeah yes. not kyler murray we didn't lose him yeah um, Kentucky's got, uh, or sorry, South Carolina's got Kentucky at home this week. Um, they've, they're desperate in need of a win. If, if they don't win this one, they're not going to become bowl eligible. I can tell you that right now. Um, even with the somewhat, you know, they played a lot of their hard games so far this year, but and they still got Georgia left. They'll get beat there. They do have Tennessee. It's just, if they don't win this one, it's hard to really see a path forward for them. Um, but Muschamp's just kind of laying it all, the all on the line there with Belinsky, and we'll see what he can do. Yeah, and we, we talked about it. It sounds like he is on the hot seat, Mr. Muschamp. Like, I think Belinsky, he looked great against Alabama. He, he flashed moments where I think he could be better than Bentley. 
So as long as they can take out a couple, you have Florida, who's like we talked about, they're overranked. They have a chance here and there. And I wonder if that Alabama game wasn't similar to ours last year, where they just poured all their effort, um, you know, into the off or over the summer in the off season of trying to dissect and pick apart one team um, to really get a marquee victory. And that, uh, maybe that explains why they lost to UNC in Week One. It could be an it could be yeah. an outlier that Alabama game. So. I mean, UNC is not turning out to be the, the you know the best team ever. So, um, we'll see. Long season. It's almost more interesting watching their fall than it is watching Clemson wax opponents. Yeah, and Tennessee is is another one that's. I mean, again, I'm not rooting against teams, but just the way they handled everything a couple of years ago. Yeah, it sounds like you're rooting against them. Yeah, no, um, I am. I am for sure. <laughs> probably, probably more so than I see. All right, folks. Well, um, that's all we've got for this evening. I'm actually surprised we managed to turn the Charlotte game into uh, about an hour-long episode, maybe even a little bit more. But um, thanks for hanging with with us. We appreciate everybody listening. As usual, uh, please reach out to us anytime you feel like. We're at ClemsonPodcast at gmail.com, or you can reach out to us on Facebook and Twitter at ClemsonPodcast. Don't forget to leave us an iTunes review if you have the time, and be sure to subscribe to us on whichever podcasting app you prefer so you can get our shows uh, pushed to your phone as soon as they're published. Um, we will be back with you after the North Carolina game this uh, this coming Saturday, hopefully with a little bit uh, more exciting things to talk about. Otherwise, um, Cody will, uh, I don't know, talk basketball, talk the Braves. We can talk the Braves. Yeah, I mean, there's a huge overlap, huge cross-section of Clemson slash you know, Braves fans. Let's Let's talk Braves. Let's do it. You know, the, the football schedule isn't giving us much, so uh, we'll have to take what we can. Um, again, thank you, everybody, for listening. And until next time, and as always, go Tigers. hit you first about the movie i'm gonna lead into that 111 people and then we'll talk recruiting and then we'll get into the game i mean yeah do you have I me mean, just out of curiosity like what kind of things do you have in mind for- <laughs> that's not good my diploma <laughs> i haven't hung it yet i need to do that it's fine uh, uh, it's fake anyways we all know it <laughs> yeah i mean it's psychology it's a it's hardly a it's hardly a degree. No. <laughs>